Heavenly Father, it's a blessing and a privilege to freely gather together, Lord, as fellow believers and friends, Lord, in thy house. And we just thank thee for that blessing and that freedom that we have, Lord. And um, we pray, Lord, that we can just savor each moment that we have here to sing together, to search the scriptures with one another, Lord, collectively. <clears throat> and we pray that thou would continue to grant that freedom to us, Lord. And we pray for those who are not as fortunate, Father. And uh, we pray that thou would bless them, Lord, encourage them, and uplift them. And uh, we pray for those who are uh, not able to be here this morning. Uh, we pray for the Marcy's, Lord, and uh, others who are unable to get out, Father. We ask that it's encourage and uplift them as well. And uh, we pray they can be blessed, Lord. We ask that thou just be with us now. Help us focus our attention around thy word and thy scriptures, the instructions I would have for us. And uh, we pray that we can put these things to heart and see how we can apply them in our lives and how we can challenge ourselves, Lord, to do better in some of these areas. And we pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> I'd like to turn this morning to Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. I'd like to start uh, reading verse number 38. <clears throat> so just the ending portion of the chapter. These are uh, Jesus' words um, towards the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, all the words that we'll read here in this text are from Jesus Christ himself. Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 38. <clears throat> Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. <clears throat> for if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Um, back at home recently in Mansfield, we've um, talked about, or I preached a sermon on hospitality uh, using 1 Peter chapter 4 as the uh, base text for that. And that's <clears throat> been on my heart um, and as encouraging as we were kind of coming out of the uh, year of COVID, um, just in encouraging the brothers and sisters, encouraging ourselves and asking ourselves how long it's been since we've had other believers in our home, had them over for a meal, gotten together. Um, and if it's, if it's been a while for some of you, uh, it's time to start doing that again if you're able. 
I think some of us are maybe get stuck in a rut and a routine and, and it's been a while maybe since we've had people over. Um, and, I, and I've just been trying to encourage that. We need the fellowship with one another, again, now more than ever. Uh, we need that time to spend together, to share our burdens together. And in our homes is uh, the most comfortable place we can be to be able to open up and, and share with one another and pray with one another. <clears throat> and um, this text that I came across here uh, in Matthew chapter 5 um, is somewhat a continuation of that, of hospitality, uh, because then hospitality also needs to go beyond just the believers, and it can be an effective tool uh, that we can use in sharing the gospel and in showing uh, Christ's love. And um, I kind of want to look, even just starting here at verse 43, Jesus says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. And I, I think it's interesting how it says, or how he says, you've heard it's been said this. Um, it doesn't say that it's been written. And to me, I, I did somewhat of a search. Um, I mean, I haven't been searching for days. <clears throat> but um, we do find the love thy neighbor part, but I can't find anywhere in scriptures really anywhere where it says to hate your enemy. Um, we've seen some people in the Old Testament hate their enemies. We've seen... Uh, you know, David has uh, had some pretty deep prayers looking for uh, vengeance on his enemies uh, from the Lord and protection from his enemies. Um, but I couldn't find anywhere where, you know, it's instructed that we should hate our enemies. Of course, there were outside of some of the wars and battles that have taken place where obviously a lot of blood was shed. Um, but that instruction was not given. There's examples um, in Exodus that talks about, you know, if you find your your enemy's uh, cattle wandering around on your land, what should you do with it? You should, act, you should return it to them. It doesn't say you should take advantage of that or, or kill it out of spite. So even if it's your enemy, you should return it. Um, I'm going to look at a few verses in, in Proverbs chapter 24. <clears throat> Verse 17, we have encouragement. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, right? Sometimes, uh, even as when we're younger, you know, maybe we see that bully at school kind of trip or, or fall on the playground, and kind of in our hearts we kind of want to laugh at him or be like, oh, finally they got what they had coming to him, right? And, and maybe even as adults we might have um, ashamedly some of those thoughts sometimes when someone really annoys us or bothers us and we, we see them be embarrassed in front of someone or something happened to them, and our, our nature might be to think... Um, well, they kind of deserve that. or uh, But we really need to be careful of that. That's not, not what Christ is teaching. That's not the love that Christ showed. Um, <clears throat> also, the next chapter in Proverbs chapter 25, starting in verse 21, which this is quoted later in Romans chapter 12, says, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. So to give... Uh, our enemies, um, you know, food, provide food, ask for them, again, if they want to come and eat with us. And um, if we see someone that's, that's hungering or thirsting, to provide that for them, to share that with them, to show that love. And that's what we're instructed here. Um, so Christ is saying, you've heard this, so, and maybe this, I don't know for sure, maybe it's kind of had been distorted, and this is the new message that was going out. You know, love your neighbors, but hate your enemies. And Christ is saying, you've been hearing this. He's saying, but I say unto you, which is the ultimate authority saying this, 
love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So I want to focus on this uh, loving our neighbors and loving our enemies and um, what Christ is saying here. So talking about loving our neighbors, we know that this is, um, the word neighbor is used quite a bit in the scriptures. Uh, If we look in Matthew chapter 22, starting with verse 37, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt, um, we're talking about the great commandments, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. <clears throat> and uh, in, in Romans chapter 13, the, some of the Ten Commandments are listed there. And then it ends with, and all others are pretty much encompassed by loving your neighbor and having love for your neighbor. Um, so it's important that we, that we think about that and um, think about how we can love our neighbor and who our neighbor is. And uh, to do that, I ask that we all turn to Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read a larger portion of verses. Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25, is a, a familiar account <clears throat> uh, that many of us learned in Sunday school. Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast answered right, or correctly. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So he asked this question, And who is my neighbor? Who is this neighbor that you're referring to? And Jesus, in the fashion that um, I believe only he has, is able to do, uh, so quickly on uh, and how he thinks about this and how he answers a question. He doesn't answer it. It's kind of like, let me tell you a story, and uh, we'll lead you to the answer, which <clears throat> actually is a great teaching method uh, that now researchers have found out that, you know, if you can relate something to a story and let people think for themselves, they're going to remember this a lot better. So in verse 30, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn. And took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave it to them at the ho- gave them to the host and said unto them, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Jesus now asked, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. So he's helping teach this lesson of uh, and there's a few lessons in here of who our neighbors are and, and how do we look at those who are our neighbors or how do we treat those who we see as neighbors. So <clears throat> um, 
when, when the lawyer asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? We might ask and think to ourselves, who is our neighbor? And what is the meaning of a neighbor? Uh, in Leviticus uh, chapter 19, it talks about, kind of refers to who is defined as a neighbor. Um, 19 verse 18, it says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So we kind of see this definition uh, in Levitical time of neighbors being those who are the children of thy people. So your community, you know, the Jews, all Jews are neighbors, kind of take care of our own and, um, you know, watch out for. And, and that's who we show, that's who they would show love to, right? The children of thy people. And, and we probably think of that somewhat the same as well, right? The, the children of our people here in this room, uh, the children of um, our brothers and sisters, right? Our, our nieces and nephews, um, we think of them as our neighbors. Obviously, we think of neighbor in our mind as the people in the house next to us and across the street from us and behind us and on both sides. And um, <clears throat> even thinking, how do we treat, how do we treat those neighbors? Uh, how often do we talk to those neighbors? Um, and how much more could we be talking and sharing with them? So trying to think about that and, and um, how much we look at our neighbors. We look even in this account. It's interesting that Jesus used uh, the Samaritan because the the Jews and the Samaritans were not really uh, big fans of each other. And um, from what I read, I, I think this may even go back to when um, Israel was divided into the Northern Kingdom and the the Southern tribes. And um, you know, there's even um, I read somewhere that when people would travel north, instead of going through Samaria, they would like go way around Samaria, kind of like. If we came here and, well, I don't know if we could, yeah, we could get here without going through Pennsylvania. If we had a problem with Pennsylvanians, drive all the way over to, like, New York City, and then, I don't know if you could, yeah, you could do that. Obviously, we've never done that, because that would be silly, right? And then come all the way around. It'd add extra time, but if you just really despise someone, right? And, and there might be times where maybe you're walking, down, you're going for a walk in your neighborhood, and there's certain streets you don't go down, because you don't want to bump into that one neighbor in your community, and I have to spend time with them. So, uh, thinking about that, who our neighbors are, but Christ uses Samaritans, and uh, knowing that um, there was already a strife here, and even for his, uh, the disciples that were nearby Christ, recognizing, we look in the previous chapter in Luke, Luke 9, um, uh, verse 51, <clears throat> it says, And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should, not, that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his faith to go, face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into the village of Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though it would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? So here the Samaritans did not receive Jesus Christ, and the disciples were ready, like, let's pray to wipe them out. Let's have the fire come down and take them out. But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what, man, ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they simply went to another village. Christ is showing the example of love there, right? And, and like we can do, even if, if we're not the ones kind of teasing or poking fun at those that 
um, might be embarrassed in front of a group that, that you had a coming person, right? Maybe somebody next to you says that in your ear. So like, well, they had it coming for a long time. What could our response be there? Like, well, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about, which, um, again, is something I have to catch myself with. Or could it be like Christ and say something as the fact Jesus didn't want that to happen to that person. Jesus wouldn't have laughed at that person, so I'm not going to, because that's the example and the authority that I follow. And that's, that's an opportunity we have to share there. <clears throat> so Jesus Christ here, in this, by using this account, uh, teaches the lawyer that he's talking to what it means to be a neighbor. Um, who can be a neighbor? It's not just the children of our people. He's showing here the Samaritan um, was a neighbor. So we have to recognize it's, it's not just those uh, in this building here with us, not just those that look like us or think like us um, or that we're, even that we're comfortable being around. And I think um, as I was reading this text in Matthew chapter 5, with how it goes from uh, hearing, hate your enemies, love your neighbors, but I say love your enemies, uh, to me it's showing that we need to recognize that our enemies or who we might think our enemies are, in Christ's mind, those are our neighbors as well. And this message, so this message that Christ is giving applies to all that we come in contact with. Uh, I think the Webster's definition of neighbor is just those that are nearby or next to. So right now, you may have a, a different neighbor in this room than you had last week when you're sitting in here. So everyone we interact with becomes a neighbor. And we need to think of that uh, when the term is used in the scriptures as well as how we should how we should treat our neighbors. <clears throat> and then uh, that opens up opportunity for us to show Christ's love and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those examples that we have of Jesus' love um, are so important. God's love is so important that, that we have for ourselves, that we experience, and then how we can um, use that example to show love to others. Now I want to read Romans 5, uh, one of my favorite chapters, some verses that really bring out um, the level of God's love. And we just think of how, how amazing it is. Um, and this specifically talking about the saving grace of Jesus Christ for the sinner. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. <clears throat> think about this for scarcely for a righteous man a great person a righteous person scarcely will one die yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us he gives us this hierarchy to think about like okay we could maybe think about dying for a righteous person but even that's pretty scarce but if we thought oh, that's a really good person you know, my life for his, maybe. For a good person, which we all try to be good people and, and his desire is to be a good person. We know a lot of good people. But the thing to die for him, there's, there's not very many, as it says here in verse 7, that would, that would even dare to do that. But, but Christ didn't die for the righteous, for the good people. Christ died for the sinners, for us as sinners. When we were sinners, that's who Jesus Christ died for and shed his blood for. He wasn't waiting for us to become good to offer that gift of grace. Now we have expectations, of course, of a life in Christ and how abundant that can be and how we should live, but he's calling the sinners 
to come and accept that free gift. And that's what's amazing. Christ's love and who he showed it to and how we need to think um, of who we are showing our love to. And I, and I just want to take a moment to think about that and have you think about that. Think of who the, who the 20 people are you love most. Now, 20 might sound like a big number, but I was just thinking with how big some of our families are, right? we got to get kind of kind of out there, even thinking beyond that, because families are kind of given. Uh, but think, who are the 20 people that you love most, that you're most willing to share your time with, share your resources with, that you were thinking, like, I want to go help them out today, and uh, I don't mind if I miss this because I'm going to help them. Who are those people in your life? <clears throat> and as you think about that, now answer this question with that group of 20 people. Do all of those people love you back? Or would you say they love you? And I would argue, I would, I would assume, that it would easily be a yes answer. They all love me too. So it's, it's not hard for us to love them, right? Because they love us too. It's not hard for us to, um, to love our family members, uh, to love people in this church, our church family. That's not hard because we know that the love is reciprocated and um, that we can do that, right? But Jesus Christ is showing us uh, how he loved those that, that did not love him. He loved those that put him on the cross because um, even though it was 2,000 years ago, essentially our sins took place in that as well. He took our sins on him uh, even then. So it's important that, um, <clears throat> well, obviously we show love to those that love us, but we start to challenge ourselves and how can we love more to those that don't love us? And how can we follow that example of Jesus Christ? <clears throat> we look in our text in Matthew chapter 5 uh, towards the end of the verses here in verse, um, verse 46. It's kind of an interesting question that Christ asks. For if ye love them which love you, those 20 people we just thought of, if you love them, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Right? We think in the workplace, everybody loves their, well, for the most part, loves their family members and love people. Right? Is it? I feel like it's kind of like if Christ came up to us and said, like, who do you love? What have you been doing for those you love? And you say, like, well, I was helping my wife today with some things around the house. And um, my brother asked me to come help do something. And it's kind of like, well, big deal. That's kind of what Christ is saying. Like, everybody does that. We see people show love to others. We see, um, if you think of some philanthropist in the world, um, you know, one of, well, a few years ago, he's still very wealthy. You know, Warren Buffett, who, um, billionaire, multi-billionaire, who proclaims to be an agnostic, he donates a lot of money uh, to organizations for um, different charities where people can uh, thrive and can help them out, right? And, and wants to give his wealth away um, by the time he passes. So he, he's doing good things, maybe not with um, the motives of the love of Christ behind it, but even he shows love. And, and we know of a lot of people that are very kind and loving in our workplace um, that want probably nothing to do with Jesus Christ. So Christ is showing here that to love those that love us and our brothers and our sisters, um, that's important, of course, and it's good. But kind of for this point that he's sharing isn't what he's getting at. It's not that big of a deal. He's saying, I'm going to challenge you further. And, and Christ does that. He challenges us. 
And we need to think about that and recognize uh, because he's not challenging us to do the impossible because he gave us uh, that example. <clears throat> so we need to be a light to others in the world. We need to, to shine brightly to others. That's uh, also shared, um, I think, in, in one of these chapters here, uh, these three chapters in Matthew during the Sermon on the Mount. We need to be a light, not under a bushel, uh, set up on a hill that can shine. If we think about our light as well, um, me being a light here in this room is not that noticeable because there's a lot of lights shining, right? If you, if I, there's a lot of lights on, daylight coming in, if I turn a flashlight on here, it's not going to make that much of a difference in the room, right? But, and we do this every time we get a new flashlight. The kids always get these little flashlights. Where do they want to go to test that? They want to go in the bathroom or in the closet. So there's no lights, no windows, it's very dark, and that's where you can see it shine the brightest. And that's where we need to be shining the brightest. We need to uh, be willing to shine our light in darker places um, when we're surrounded by those that don't have the light of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so we need, to, we need to remember that and uh, be willing to do that, just as Christ did. And um, we need to perhaps overcome some discomfort. And um, you know, e even as the two people before the Good Samaritan, right, maybe the priest maybe didn't want to get his his robe bloody or, or dirty or kind of, um, you know, walked by for whatever reason, uh, you know, or didn't want to get extra hot or whatever, or just thought that person's probably going to die anyhow. Or maybe some of these even saw that person as their enemy and thought like, well, too bad for them, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, but we need to be willing to do that, to have those conversations, to, to talk to people. Do we ever avoid talking to people maybe based on how they look or um, on their lifestyle, right? And, and this was me, and every once in a while I probably still is me a little bit, but it's kind of helped, you know, at work, I've, I work with a lot of interesting people, um, and, you know, at Ohio State University, uh, there's a lot of freedoms um, that are pushed and accepted, lifestyles that are accepted, and um, I work with a lot of people that choose different lifestyles that go against the scriptures, uh, but I also recognize that <clears throat> uh, it's important that I don't uh, that I try not to treat them differently because that's not what Christ would have done in terms of showing love to them. And especially initially to show, um, because there's no opportunity there. If I avoid talking to them or am not kind towards them, um, there's no opportunity for the gospel to be shared, for Christ's love to be showed. And we need to do that as an example and, and um, get to know people and, and get to understand them. And so then it opens the door for them to get to know you and to understand you as well and to see where your joy and happiness and hope comes from. So we have to, we have to um, overcome that and even get to the point, um, which might make some people cringe, but to invite certain people into our homes and to um, show, them, show them what we focus on in our homes. And uh, even so people can see what do we have hanging on our walls? What's the focus of our home? What are the messages in our home and the practices in our home uh, with our children? We sit down at the dinner table to pray before our meal. Uh, those are subtle ways uh, to be able to start conversations of sharing the gospel. And again, we have to look at the example of what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> Starting with verse 9. It says, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. 
And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth, I will have mercy, and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Think of why was Jesus here on this earth? It was to be a physician for those that were sick, to save those that were lost. Right? We don't take other than the one-year well-child checkup, which checkups physically and spiritually are good and healthy. We don't randomly just take our children to the doctor. We don't go to the doctor and they say, and say I need to get in today and say, what's the problem? Nothing. I just wanted to see you. I just thought we'd sit and chat. Right? And that's, Jesus is saying, um, his main purpose here is not Although he taught, of course, taught messages for us, he's teaching us uh, one right now about loving our neighbors and loving our enemies. But it was to save the lost souls and to heal the sick. And that's um, what our focus needs to be as well. A lot of times uh, we get comfortable with focusing on, you know, I, I know we do this, there's certain people that we probably invite over more often um, just because we're comfortable them, with them. You know, certain people we even have discussion like, well, they're coming over. We know we don't have to worry about cleaning the house as much as if other people, because, you know, they like to come and play with the kids and they know it's going to get messy and whatnot. Um, but we get into those routines and then we miss out on perhaps conversations and showing that love, uh, even to our other brothers and sisters. But to have um, those who are sick and those who are lost into our homes so we can um, start sharing the prescription of Jesus' love and his gospel message and what he did for us on the cross with them. And that's important. We see that Christ shows this example. He sat with them. He talked with them. He listened to them and answered their questions and provide uh, that healing. He learned what their problems were and what their, what their sicknesses were. Along those lines, uh, being a light in a dark place, we do need to be careful too, though, that we're not just throwing ourselves as a little light into this big ocean of darkness and putting ourselves in danger. And um, <clears throat> so, we need to be willing to go out, um, but not get too, too consumed and, and taken in with it. And there's a phrase that we need to be in the world and not of the world. And I was almost positive that this was a Bible verse that I've been quoting for a long time, but I couldn't seem to find it anywhere. And uh, I realized, which is a good thing that we need to continually check ourselves. Um, it does come from different parts of scriptures <clears throat> and the language that's used. And I'd like to read some of those to to encourage us and remind us, because in Mark chapter 5, or chapter 16, as the Great Commission, Christ tells his disciples and us to go where? <clears throat> he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, go into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And we need to give that clear message. In John chapter 17, a beautiful prayer that, Christ, that we can witness here Christ having to his heavenly Father uh, on our behalf, which is wonderful. And, uh, chapter 17, verse 15, he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. So protection from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, Jesus says. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them 
into the world. And in John 15, 19, Christ says, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. As we talked about in Bible class a little bit this morning, yes, the world hates us. The world will hate us. If we are not of the world, and, and this is another part of 1 Peter chapter 4, talks about, in the beginning, talks about some righteous living, and that people even think it's strange that we don't take part in that. And people have, might have told you, I think you're strange that you didn't go get drunk on New Year's Eve or something. They might think you're strange for that. And that's wonderful, because they see something different in you. Um, and we can say why we do certain things or why we refrain from certain things. <clears throat> but it's important that we do not become of the world and we recognize that, yeah, that we may be hated by some or mocked by some if we're not of the world, but Jesus Christ is not of the world as well. Yet he was in the world showing his love and preaching the gospel. <clears throat> and one more uh, group verse I just want to read here in 1 John chapter 2. Starting with verse 15, we're given instructions to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So we need to be careful. We, um, we need to be willing to go out into the world into the darkness and keep our light shining bright. But if we ever feel like that darkness is making our light dimmer, we need to make sure we reach out to our brothers and sisters. And it's, it's a good idea to not go alone anyhow, to take someone with you. It's, uh, I've even mentioned at home, it's good if, if we're having somebody in our home and we're a little nervous about how the conversation is going to go, have another couple from church over. Have two or three couples for church and invite someone from work. Not to team up on them, but uh, to have some backup and some support if you're nervous about that. Think of how much more brightly lights shine when they're together, how much more room is lit up as more lights turn on, and that we need that strengthening and that encouragement there. And we look at the example of the, act, of the apostles in the Acts. Uh, many times they were not alone. We read a lot of uh, Peter and John were preaching and put in prison, and Peter and John did this, and Paul and Barnabas went here on this trip. It wasn't Paul just went by himself and uh, went to all these different churches. They had a support system. They had backup. They had someone at night they can talk to. Be like, well, how did you think that went today? Let's pray together. Let's encourage one another. And uh, it's important that we have that as well uh, because I'm sure there are some that um, out, of, out of a good heart that was trying to go and preach the gospel were overtaken by the world and by the desires as they're in those places or going places with people thinking, I'm going to go with my friend from school to this party so I can show them that I can go and not drink and, and be a witness. And sometimes temptations are just too strong and it's not a good, good environment to put ourselves in. So we need to think of how the Lord's leading us uh, in those directions. <clears throat> so I just want to encourage us um, to think about these verses, to think of in our hearts of who our neighbors are, uh, think who we might think our enemies are. I don't know if any of, any of us really think that we have enemies per se, um, but I'm sure there's definitely people you don't like or you don't like to be around or that rub you the wrong way. Um, but think of who that is and think of how Christ has instructed us 
of how we should act towards them. And how could we take that next step of, uh, you know, talking to them, welcoming them into our homes? I, I heard a podcast one time of, that was about hospitality of a family that would, on Thursday nights, they would sit at the end of their driveway, put a little fire pit out, they'd have stuff out for uh, s'mores there, and anybody that they would walk by, they would ask me, you want to sit down and have a s'more with us? Just people that are walking around the neighborhood. And um, just casual conversation. It would turn into a regular, people were looking forward to going for walks on Thursdays because they know they could go to this driveway, and before you know it, they'd have 15 people there from their neighborhood all talking together, and these are opportunities that you can show the love of Christ, and um, you can you know, work that in there and, and share with others and get to know people. Because we know that's much more effective than to just randomly walk up to someone. Typically, and the Lord could lead you in this way, but just to walk up to someone and say, have you accepted the shed blood of Jesus Christ? And it might, might be more like, well, who are you and why do I care what you have to say? Right? If you take time to get to know someone a little bit, even if you take a few minutes to get to know someone first uh, and to let them know who you are, that can really help with the situation. <clears throat> but I just want to encourage us to, to take these action items and to think in our hearts of who can I be reaching out to more, even if that is neighbors on our street. Uh, who can we spend more time with, invite down to come to our homes. If you're not ready for them to come in your homes, have them on your driveway, uh, in your front porch for a cup of coffee, or on your deck or something, just to share that time with them, uh, to get to know them, and to talk with them. Show them hospitality without grudging. Um, we've been instructed of how that can be an effective method to show uh, Christ's love. And then you can see how God opens the door and pray for God to open that door for you to share the gospel. And in closing here, just to think of what our hope can be, um, as Christ prayed in John chapter 17, again from that prayer, um, we can have some of the same hope, uh, starting with verse 20. Jesus says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. And I think this is one of the most important parts, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, Jesus Christ. And the glory which <clears throat> thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, and they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Most importantly, to show and recognize that Jesus Christ is God's Son, because that's something for hard for people to get over. And we need to use the name of Jesus, right? Every, a lot of people use God's name, whether they use it in vain or uh, correctly, but it's, it's a very common word for people. My atheist boss a lot of times says, thank God we got this done, and sometimes... I haven't done it yet because she's my boss, but I just be like, all right, do you really think you can thank God for that if you don't believe he exists or not? And uh, maybe one day that door will open. Uh, but a lot of people do that. But we know that the name of Jesus causes extra thought and extra controversy. And again, not that we want to stir up controversy, but it makes people think a little more and it shows our willingness, just as the Acts <clears throat> or the apostles in Acts specifically did things in the name of Jesus all the time. They healed in the name of Jesus. They preached in the name of Jesus. Um, they said there's no other name where others can be saved. And they were instructed specifically not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And they were, they were let go from the prison. And what did they do? They went and they started preaching again right away. 
because they said that's all we know how to do. That's all we know how to speak of. And that's how much we have to have Jesus on our hearts and be willing to share with our enemies, friends, relatives, whoever we see. And we need to recognize that whoever we see, in Jesus' eyes, I believe, we need to see as our neighbors and treat them that way. May the Lord add his blessing.